Welcome to the I Am Podcast. My name is Carl Weaver, and I am the website content manager at I Am. If you have any suggestions for the I Am Podcast, you can email me at carl.weaver at iamovers.org. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash iamovers slash message. I will also put the link in the show notes so you can click on it right there. Hello, everybody. This is Brian Lepropoulos with the International Association of Movers. Welcome to the podcast today. We have a special guest from 21st Century Relocations in India, Nira Thacker, who is going to be giving us an update on uh, the tragic events unfolding in India right now. Uh, here in the U.S., we are largely past the the tragic events we uh, endured over the winter, uh, where uh, the U.S. Uh, sustained well over 500,000 deaths from the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, fortunately for us here in the U.S., that has subsided. But now uh, this crazy pandemic has moved on to another location, and it's really impacting India. So we wanted to connect with um, you know, one of our members there to kind of talk through how that's uh, impacting India as a whole, uh, how it's impacting their operations, and ultimately, you know, what does it mean for India for uh, the near future? When will this pandemic uh, be controlled? And last, how all of you can help. So I'm really happy that Nirav could join us today. Uh, Nirav does serve on our IAM Young Professional Management Board. Uh, a longtime servant there, leading forward numerous initiatives for the YPs. And he has joined us today to give us his insight uh, on, on the situation in India. So, Nirav, thanks for joining us. Hello, Brian. Uh, thank you very much uh, for reaching out to me and uh, on this important topic and something which is really affecting India in a large way. And uh, I hope the information that I can, you know, share here would be really helpful. Thank you so much and uh, much appreciated. Our, our pleasure, Nirav. And so where I'd like to start with this is just, um, can you just share your thoughts on on how the, the pandemic is impacting India right now? What do you see um, occurring? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, if you look at the news reports, it's quite graphic and it's quite it's quite sad, but I'd lo love to get your perspective on it, you know, being there, I'm watching it from afar. So uh, can you share with us that? Uh, yeah, Brian, actually, yes, India is in the midst of a raging uh, second wave of COVID-19. We are actually, uh, you know, daily recording around 400,000 corona infections. And uh, the World Health Organization actually has already said that, you know, more than 20 million uh, confirmed COVID-19 cases have already been happened in India. Well, uh, you know, since last year, we all are aware that how it has affected, of course, the world at large, especially with India, there has been a large GDP contraction, so, you know, like from the quarter to April to June, there was almost like a minus 24% uh, 
So that's a great contraction. We have seen a sharp rise in unemployment. There's a lot of stress going on on supply chains and you know the government income has also reduced. Consumer activity has gone for a toss. Now, with you know, with all these situations, but well, with the second wave, the economic activities, of course, have been affected due to the localized lockdowns. But uh, the impact is unlikely to be as devastating as it was in the last year. Uh, well, experts are suggesting uh, that as far as India can just you know uh, manage to contain this second wave, uh, it will be minimum impact. So yeah, I mean, India basically now is in a space where it is, you know, trying to manage this pandemic and also its economic activities. So uh, you know, the the IMF basically. Uh, earlier this week has also mentioned that you know india would be looking at a 12.5% uh, growth in the next financial of the fiscal year now looking at that uh, this is like a double digit growth so i see good prospects however in the current scenario as i can say the indian citizens are really scared and they are depressed uh, you know they are currently facing a very uncertain future Mm -hmm. The first pandemic saw, uh, you know, major deaths among the uh, the, the the people with certain, uh, you know, illnesses and you know the senior age group of people. Whereas the current second wave has been affecting the young younger generation, and India is already having a forty percent of younger generation. So this pandemic has seen a lot of deaths among the age group of you know thirty to fifty years of people. So that is where people are, you know, really scared. Uh, if we talk about businesses, yes, many businesses have transformed uh, into digital, and that is where you know they have been able to sustain. But you know, there are certain businesses which couldn't manage to. So a number of uh, you know industries like if you say restaurants, so we say the travel industry, the entertainment, the retails like the malls. They are deeply hurt by these localized lockdowns, but you know the fact is that the movement of goods has not been stopped. Um, industries have been allowed to function significantly, and and of course there are still uh, several risks to derail the economy. Uh, we are seeing a lot of problems like uh, rising in income inequality, unemployment, as I already mentioned. Well. Um, well, I would say going forward, you know, the one major issue that I'm seeing is about the manpower. What has happened is in all these areas where especially the economic activities are carried out, you know, the major cities in India, uh, the, the people who are working there, they have gone back to their hometowns. So there's a lot of scarcity of human, you know, manpower. And, uh, you know, the uh, even with when we when we say about people who are not well and they are admitted to hospitals, we don't have healthcare supporting staff available to look after them as well, you know, in many mm -hmm. cases. So, yes, I mean, uh, these are certain issues uh, which we are looking at, especially as you know, with the larger population, we are we are facing this in a major way. So this is how it's impacting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of parallels to what, uh, you know, what we're seeing here in the U.S. and previously. Yeah, a lot, a lot of our politics over the last year have been focused on 
opening up so the economy can get going again, but also we need to contain the pandemic. And that's, you know, regardless of Donald Trump, and I won't, I won't get into Donald Trump at all, but a lot of our political arguments have centered on that question of we're in the midst of a pandemic. Do we let the economy go, go away to contain the pandemic or do we open up a bit just so we can preserve some of our small businesses and, and things of that nature? And then you're, everything you're saying about manpower is, is something we're seeing a lot here as well. It's, uh, it's slightly different, but there's a lot of parallels with what you're saying. Uh, the interesting thing that I, I found in your response was just the impact to the younger generation. I think it's been internalized by many people that while COVID can infect younger people, you know, of our age, you know, we're, we're in uh, roughly the same age, Nero, yeah. uh, in many ways, it does not impact us from a, a fatality perspective. And what I'm hearing from you is that this new wave, this new variant that's uh, coursing through India right now is having is is actually impacting that cohort, that younger cohort, pretty devastatingly. Yes, it's it's uh, it's it's really you know astonishing to hear, and uh, I mean every day we hear these news, and that's as I said, you know, it's making us a lot more depressed. Yeah, with, uh, these things. I mean, uh, a lot of my you know you people in the known circles and in, in, in the you know work environment where i am uh, we've lost a few uh, you know a lot of people in the industry where we are working and really sad to know about all that especially mm -hmm. uh, you know it's not something that they were having any kind of you know other health issues it was just over yeah this uh this pandemic is just it's just, it's irresistible, it feels like at, at points where it's just, you, you can't get ahead of it. And um, you just have to pray that you're not going to be, you're, you, your family, your friends, your employees are not going to succumb to it. So, I mean, I, I think you've answered this question, but yeah, I, I do want to pull it out a, a little bit, you know, given that we are the International Association of Movers. And I think people would be interested in this. You mentioned manpower shortages. You mentioned, uh, I think you just alluded to potentially, uh, you know, your employees, your staff being um, infected and potentially, uh, you know, worse. Uh, can you can you just explain a little bit more how this is impacting twenty first centuries, twenty first century relocations operations? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like Brian, uh, you know, as we have seen. And the whole world has shifted, uh, you know, with your working environment from uh, working from home, uh, which was not so very common in the pre-COVID times, but this is the new normal which we are looking at and it's going to be here to stay. Uh, likewise, all our back office activities, you know, since they were all on cloud, we were in full control of our activities and, uh, you know, in fact, our office uh, started working from home even a week to 10 days prior to the announcement of the lockdown. So we were in full control that time. However, uh, you know, what has, what affected us was that, you know, for various activities, uh, there had to be a lead time planning, uh, which for which, you know, various strategies had to be adopted to ensure that it minimizes the impact on our operations. 
so you know that planning and secondly what happens is we were always in a fire fighting situation so and being top decision makers in the company you know uh, in such situations the the managers they all also would look forward to our decisions because it's it was a new situation for everyone and you know with outdoor activities that we conduct uh, and especially in moving that we have to you have to be very very careful in every aspect so you know this was something like a, a daily fire fighting situation yeah we did manage quite a few domestic national moves uh, the international because the travel was limited and restricted uh, we we didn't happen i mean we didn't do many international moves as compared to you know the previous years uh, because as we all know the movement of people was restricted cargo movement was restricted but you know we we still had a lot of uh, problems in you know when we had to do the perfect planning but in spite of these perfect plannings we had to struggle to make the ends meet now you know like especially uh, in place like mumbai uh, where uh, we have lots of uh, you know everything basically works on public transport uh, and you know with restrictions on that we we you know the mobility of people was very difficult uh, apart from this like because there are moves families used to plan it much in advance and we used to keep everything uh, arranged but let's say for example when you know when the actual day comes maybe somebody in their family is you know ill maybe one of our staff is unwell on that day so we cannot allow them to come on that day arranging for you know a replacement societies and you know uh, apartments they having their own rules all of a sudden because of the newer lockdown conditions being announced so yeah all these uh, were really difficult situations in terms of uh, uh, apart from that we see in india uh, especially when goods come into india household goods there are certain duties and taxes and because of which uh, apart from of course if you are exempted if you are just transferring your residence uh, but apart from that there are a uh, good number of uh, documentations and procedures to be followed though our government was you know uh, far better in uh, uh, you know adopting to the newer technology uh, and you know uh, going ahead with you know paperless contactless procedures uh, especially when it comes to custom clearance even shipping lines did bring about a lot of changes where you know hard copies or documentation was in order to go paperless so overall um, it did impact and you know many a times with limited manpower that we have to struggle to work certain high cost we have even uh, you know the profit has also been reduced sometimes even it has gone to minus uh, but however our clients as well as employees have been very supportive in this Uh, and going forward i think this hybrid model of uh, you know working from home as well uh, is going to continue and people have to adopt to it uh, in in the best way so yeah that's about it i'm sure uh, maybe like like what situation i'm talking about many other companies would have been facing it well for me uh, fortunately uh, conducting the same business for us was not as difficult but yes a new business development has seriously affected we have not been able to do that uh, well so the strategy that we adopted was you know you have to survive and you know just prepare for the future as of now that's that's what we were looking at yeah yeah i think that's that's a a good way to 
to put it. I mean, you have to survive this and hopefully on the other side, um, you know, the, the strategies and tactics that you had to undertake uh, will serve you well. Uh, you know, one thing that you know, I'll be, one thing that we, you know, we were looking at as the pandemic hit was to what extent would our members not be able to survive the pandemic? And what has been really surprising for us at IAN is we, we've gotten very few, uh, new, very uh, no indications of bankruptcies, no indications of insolvencies, no indications of liquidations. I mean, there is the one or two, but we have those every year. And I, I, I you know, I'm still, I'm still waiting for the damage from that to to really uh, kind of show itself. And uh, so I'm crossing my fingers every day, but it sounds like, you know, your experience is, is very similar to the experience of many of our members around the world that they had put in uh, procedures in place to weather this storm. Uh, and hopefully uh, we'll be a much stronger industry on the other side of this thing. So I, I do wanna get to the future a bit here. And, you know, I'm looking at the case numbers in India right now, and it was a, a terrifying kind of slope on that curve of new cases in India. And finally, uh, you know, as I'm looking at this right now, it does appear that it might be cresting, that the wave may be cresting. Now, um, what do you, from your perspective, you're so much closer to this, what is your perspective on getting past this second wave of COVID in India. Um, what are you hearing from your government officials, from the news media there? What, what is the prospect for getting this under control? Um, thanks, Brian. Well, uh, as, as you rightly said, the current situation, uh, it doesn't look so good. And it seems we are quite far away uh, to you know get over this especially considering, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, regarding the size of our population. Uh, well, yes, uh, if we have to uh, work towards, uh, you know, in order to come out of this as a winner, uh, our vaccination drives have to be, you know, quick and efficient because currently uh, we have probably seen hardly 10% of our population being vaccinated. Uh, you know, we started with the, uh, the elderly uh, population and then it's just in May that the younger population is, you know, now, uh, you know, we're still struggling to get the registrations done and then actually get the vaccines. So uh, a quick and efficient vaccination drive would definitely, you know, help. Uh, governments also have to set their priorities, uh, what exactly should be there, that the first priority should be to control the pandemic and I'm sure rest of everything will fall in place. Um, even citizens, basically, I feel, uh, you know, all the citizens should take this responsibility. They shouldn't rely on others to protect them because we all know uh, there are guidelines shared about how we can be safe from this and, you know, safeguard ourselves, our families. So such precautions, if they are maintained, I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, this kind of a carefree attitude that we sometimes see uh, can be avoid, you know, can be controlled, and we can definitely overcome this pandemic in a short period of time. So everyone needs to play their part. And frankly, uh, the central and state government in India are really working hard 
in implementing a lot of these measures. In fact, you know, the state where I'm living, the, the state of Maharashtra, where Mumbai comes, so they have implemented strict measures uh, since, uh, since a month now. And uh, that was, I mean, it was a time, uh, say, two, three weeks back, where we were actually in the city, we were touching to almost 12,000, uh, you know, daily cases in, in a day, you know, uh, that we would see. And that has dropped down to less than 50% uh, now. So okay. we, we are seeing uh, a lot, you know, better situation now. And, but you know, the thing is, the government is already alerting its citizens now, and they're already saying that we are preparing to tackle the third wave, which seems to be hitting India very soon. Uh, so we are actually looking at a very critical time. In fact, uh, a lot of these centers have been kept, you know, made ready to accommodate people who would, you know, uh, would need the support, the healthcare the support systems. Uh, government is already, uh, you know, in, in its ready drive to keep things ready. So hopefully, uh, you know, although we recover and overcome the second wave, the third wave also, we should be, you know, uh, shouldn't be, uh, I, I would say, shouldn't be, uh, it's not a situation where we should be just rejoicing and say that, okay, it's in control now and we are back to normal. We are still, the government has alerted us, so we should be prepared for that as well. Understood. Well, I, you know, praying for hopefully uh, this thing to come under control for sure. Um, I want to end this this discussion, Nirav, with, uh, you know, basically for anybody who's listening and wants to provide support, uh, obviously cash is probably the easiest place to maybe support organizations who are helping out in India right now. But we also do have maybe some companies who uh, might have some logistics capability. So are there any organizations that you see uh, really providing uh, support that, uh, you know, for somebody like me or somebody listening uh, would be good to donate money to? Uh, well, uh, Brad, that's really a great thought. And of course, uh, in terms of equipments, uh, where India is really looking forward to, uh, you know, especially, so all countries, you know, more than 40 countries have already pledged support for India and seven to eight of them have already supplied, you know, so like Singapore, Germany, US, UK, Russia, Bahrain, um, you know, Thailand, and many others, I mean, I would say they all uh, have supplied. So basically the requirement is, as I, as I would say, is, you know, India is looking at oxygen, uh, concentrators, ventilators, uh, which have been supplied in huge quantities already. Um, so this kind of support is definitely welcome. And uh, if, if there are any sources uh, from who are ready to supply India recently in the, in, in the last... So see, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Brian, what has happened is, you know, uh, in India, the problem that we are currently facing is you know the logistics and the infrastructure uh, the, the lack of infrastructure because of which uh, although the countries have been able to provide well in time uh, it's it's about the internal distribution which mm -hmm. is the problem so but of course i mean as much as possible even even the, the companies the mncs uh, they all have supported uh, you know in providing the relief in a large way 
But apart from this, again, uh, as much as the oxygen concentrators and ventilators are provided, that uh, exactly can be of help. So if there are any uh, sources, uh, you know, within the organizations that we have, and if they are able to, uh, you know, share that information, uh, you know, there are, there are various NGOs, uh, particularly like the Indian Red Cross Society, the HLL Life Care, uh, there are Indian missionaries, as well as the, you know, the, the Central Board of uh, Indirect Taxes and Customs, which is the Customs Department, uh, you know, post, they are, uh, you know, really looking forward to, uh, you know, this kind of assistance. In fact, uh, they've brought about a lot of changes in the policies, whatever, you know, the requirements were in terms of taxes, in terms of documentation, in terms of regulations, they've all been relaxed. Uh, we, we now do not, uh, you know, the government is no more charging any kind of duties or taxes on these kind of goods which are coming into India. Uh, uh, and there have been record custom clearances of these goods in four to five minutes. Wow. Uh, yeah, recently all these consignments which have come. So, I mean, yes, we, we have understood the necessity and, you know, we are proactively working on it. But of course, any kind of such help, uh, as I said, is... Uh, really welcome uh, in this time. Yeah, and, and there was, um, you know, this is not the end all be all, but uh, I was able to participate on a call that was sponsored by the US Chamber of Commerce Foundation, as well as the US India Business Council. So these are two US, uh, they, they emanate from the United States, but trying to coordinate relief from here in the United States and uh, I'll share the, the link, I, I think, on the podcast page, but they have a link to uh, a number of organizations that are, are providing relief, Airlink, America India Foundation, AmeriCares, Direct Relief, Give India, PM Cares Fund, uh, and UNICEF. So we, we'll connect our listeners with those um, to that website. So, you, you know, you have a, a place where you can potentially uh, donate money to a vetted source um, and, and to uh, organizations that are trying to establish um, relief operations in India. So um, Nirav, I, I really appreciate your time today and sharing with us what has to be a hard uh, topic to discuss, but uh, you know, just trying to bring awareness to the IAM membership about what you're facing in India, how it's impacting the industry and where they can help. So Thank you again on behalf of the uh, of IAM. Thanks, Brian. Uh, really, uh, it's a pleasure that you know you you've chosen to you know uh, you know bring forward this issue, and uh, I, I'm uh, you know really happy that you uh, you know invited me to discuss on this and share my information and knowledge, and at the same time, uh, you know, uh, an extent of you know reach and help to India, and if if this information uh, can be of really uh, helpful to everyone. I, I would really be really happy to know about that. So thanks once again, uh, really thankful to you. Thanks again, Nira. Have a great day, bye. Same to you, thanks, bye, bye-bye. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify.
Thank you for listening to the IAM podcast. If there's ever anything you need from IAM, you can contact us at membership at iamovers.org or contact us by going to the contact us page on the IAM website at iamovers.org. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next time.